Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. All right, good morning to you. This is Mike Smith, and we start today with the national battle over the carbon tax. Everybody into the wrestling ring on this one now. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he started it last week. He said he will pause the carbon tax on home heating oil. Now, that's a big nothing burger here in B.C. Hardly anybody uses it. Pierre Polyev. The federal conservative leader, he says he will axe the tax completely, gone. He would scrap the carbon tax. What about here in B.C.? We have a provincial carbon tax. I've got Kevin Falcon standing by, leader of B.C. United. Have a listen to him going after Premier David Eby in the legislature this week. There shouldn't be a tax grab on something as straightforward as trying to keep your home warm in British Columbia. And so my question to the Premier... Why won't the Premier level the playing field and exempt all home heating in British Columbia from the carbon tax? I appreciate uh, the member opposite now opposes the carbon tax. Um, that's uh, his position to flip and flop over. All right, let's discuss now with my guest, Kevin Falcon, leader of BC United. He's the leader of the opposition at the BC legislature. Kevin, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, I'm listening to EB there in that clip accusing you of flipping and flopping here in the carbon tax. And, and I do remember when you were part of the Gordon Campbell government that brought in the carbon tax in B.C. I remember you saying how proud you, you were of it. Now you're talking very, about scaling it back. What's going on? Well, first of all, very proud of the carbon tax. And remember, the carbon tax we brought in uh, back in the day added about six cents a litre to fuel. It was revenue neutral, meaning by law, the revenues had to go back to the public in the form of lower personal taxes, lower business taxes. And I think that's why we got public buy-in. And remember, speaking of flip-flopping, uh, it was the NDP that opposed the taxes. You'd well remember, Mike. In fact, they ran an election against it, saying axe the tax. So that was a common sense carbon tax that the public supported. And the contract with the public was that whole idea of it being a tax shift as opposed to a tax grab. What, th- what happened was, when the NDP got elected, we had frozen it, remember it, at, uh, at, at a level of $30 a ton. And, and that was actually started by me when I was finance minister in 2012. And subsequent uh, finance ministers kept it in place until the NDP got elected in 2017. The first thing they did was strip the revenue neutrality and said, we're taking all the revenues into government. The next thing they did is they more than doubled it. And the concern we have is that they have plans to almost triple it again uh, in the next seven years, meaning that people will be paying almost 40 cents a liter just in carbon tax on their fuel. And and the problem is right now in British Columbia, you've got families really, really struggling and they are having a tough time making ends meet. And so what we've said is look, there's also a federal carbon tax. We have to do what we can do. Uh, I, I can't wow. make, you know, stupid promises like the, the BC Conservatives and say, oh, we'll just get rid of it. There's a federal tax. So what we've said is 
we will get rid of the provincial fuel taxes. That's 15 cents a litre for most of the province. That would immediately provide relief to British Columbians. And we've said that when it comes to the farming agricultural sector, it's got to come off there too, because that directly impacts the price of food. Okay, so that is di- that is uh, different from the carbon tax, like the provincial fuel tax. Is that a separate tax, separate from the carbon yeah. tax? Yeah. So Absolutely. you would get rid. Absolutely. So you would get rid of that fifteen cents a liter. So let's talk That's about right. the carbon. Go Mike, ahead, Mike. Very yeah. quickly though, because I should add this. We've also said that we would we would demand that David Eby not go forward with any future carbon tax increases. Uh, he's got to fight for British Columbia affordability too, and he can't. And what he's done is he's agreed happily to just go along, raising that up to 170 a ton. That will be devastating for a lot of families in BC. Yeah, I'm just taking a look at the schedule of carbon tax increases in British Columbia on gasoline. So April 1st of next year, set to go up to 17.6 cents a liter. So it uh, continues to d- dramatically increase. Speaking to Kevin Falcon, leader of the BC United Party, let's talk about uh, natural gas. L- you listen to Trudeau here talking about, well, I'll, I'll remove the tax from home heating oil. I mean, nobody uses home heating oil here in BC. A few people do. So what about natural that's right. gas? That's what people use to heat their homes. What, what, what are you well, saying right. now about the carbon tax on natural gas? Go ahead. What, what we're saying is uh, the governments have to be principled. If the principle is that home heating is a basic essential, and it is, and if we can all agree that it's expensive, which it is, and if the prime minister is going to provide relief on the East Coast, uh, pr- primarily to Atlantic Canada, but the entire East Coast, and British Columbia is going to be left out of it, that is not right. We have to have a level playing field. We've said to the Premier, EB, you need to stand up for British Columbians and say we're immediately going to provide the same relief, whether it's natural gas or oil-based heating. That is the minimum we ought to be doing. And the fact that he refuses to do that, uh, unlike the leaders in places like Alberta and Saskatchewan, I find yeah. really disappointing. Okay, let's listen to David Eby here responding to your idea of taking the carbon tax off of natural gas for home heating fuel. And he says this will just punch a huge hole in the budget. Let's listen to David Eby here. You'll also hear from Josie Osborne, the provincial energy minister. Let's listen. What schools, teachers, hospitals, healthcare workers, uh, are they going to get rid of to pay for this commitment to British Columbians? It's a $5 billion hole in the budget, and the money's going to have to come from somewhere. $5 billion hole in the budget if you follow through yeah. on this. And he says, yeah, this, this, what, what schools would coming, you not build? Com- this coming from the people that have more than doubled our debt to $100 billion are seeing the largest projected deficit in the history of the province of British Columbia. So let me, let me just tell you, first of all, this represents less than 2% of government spending over three years. And I can tell you where we find it. It's really simple. We cancel really stupid things the NDP are doing, like their so-called community benefit agreements, which I call community rip-off agreements, which already I can name you two projects off the top of my head. The Surrey uh, Second Hospital, they've announced uh, six years in a row now. Uh, this year, they announced that the budget has gone up over $1.2 billion over last year's budget amount that they gave. We've got the Cowichan Hospital on the island there that started out at uh, $600 million, then $800 million. They made it a community ripoff agreement project. Now it's at $1.4 billion and counting. There is lots of money we can save just by doing things smart and not having a situation where they are demanding that uh, certain capital projects go to their own designated favoured unions. That's not the right thing yeah. either. So there's lots of ways that we can recapture the money. But the principle is this. We want to provide all that $4.7 billion over three years is relief to consumers. That's the critical thing. We want to provide relief to consumers, and they deserve yeah. it at a time when half the population is 200, month, 200 bucks a month away from not meeting their budgets. 
Let me ask you about the, the political games here that Justin Trudeau was playing with this thing, because removing the carbon tax from home heating oil, as you pointed out, that is aimed directly at Atlantic Canada. That's where they use that stuff. He is just crashing in the opinion polls in eastern Canada. That's what this is about. This is political. He was asked yesterday, why not remove the carbon tax on natural gas, too? That's what people in Western Canada use to heat their homes. And he said, no, he's not going to do that. He made that quite clear yesterday. You have the premier of Saskatchewan now, Scott Moe, as you, as you referenced, saying, look, if you don't do that, we will just, we'll do it ourselves. We won't impose the carbon tax on natural gas in Saskatchewan. Are you saying that EB should do the same thing? Not yes. remove the, go ahead. Yes, that's called leadership. That's where you get the Saskatchewan Premier saying that's fundamentally unfair. It is not a level playing field. We're not going to collect it and send it to you, federal government, if that's the position you're taking. And that's leadership. And that's what we were calling on David Eby to do for once in his life. Just stand up and be a leader. And instead of pointing fingers and saying, gee, I'm disappointed with the federal government, well, you can be more than disappointed. You can say it's just bloody unfair. There are a lot of folks, I saw an email from uh, someone on, the, on, on Vancouver Island that was talking about how they're paying over $300 a year in carbon tax on their natural gas heating. That's a yeah. big expense. And uh, yeah. this is something the Premier ought to be standing up for people Isn't here. that illegal, though? I mean, if, if the Trudeau government says we're going to impose a national carbon tax on, on, on natural gas, and then B.C. turns around or Saskatchewan and any other province and says, well, screw that, we're not doing it, isn't that illegal? Doesn't the federal government own the hammer on that? No, the good news is that we actually have the hammer because... Uh, we've got our own carbon tax in place and the federal government's allowed our carbon tax to to be the carbon tax of jurisdiction so that we have the ability to collect that and to charge it. And what we need to do is say that we're not going to be charging that anymore because we're going to make sure there's equality. Let them fight against us for doing the right thing and leveling the playing playing field. What about climate change now? I mean, look at the catastrophic wildfires and flooding that we've had here in British Columbia. You're not a climate change denier. And I remember when, when, you got, when you guys brought this tax in, you said it was all about fighting climate change. What happened to that? Well, it is about fighting climate change. And then I believe very strongly about climate change. You saw, for example, that we brought in a wildfire fighting policy that's very detailed, very explicit. That is actually a big part of fighting climate change. When you look at the forest fires we had just this year alone, we puked out more uh, dangerous pollution and CO2 uh, in those forest fires than all our industry and cars on the roads combined here in British Columbia. So what we've said is that we would go after that. We, would have com- we wouldn't waste time like the NDP are doing, spending 12 months to have a committee come back and tell them what they should be doing. We know what to do, and we would get going on it right away, and we lay- laid out very explicit ways that we would do so. So I want to be clear. We, we remain very committed to climate. Climate change is absolutely real. And we just think that what we want to do is make sure we're doing the kind of things that are getting results. Right now, just so everyone knows, even with the NDP's doubling of the carbon tax, even with them them taking it all into government, even with their plans to almost triple it over the next seven years, they are still seeing rising emissions. So we're not getting the results we need. I care about results. Thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, Mike.
We continue our focus on this battle over the carbon tax. This is a national fight over a federal carbon tax. It's spilled over into the provinces now. Man, this thing is really, really heating up. Everybody in on this now. Uh, have a listen to it. Let's go back to last week. This is how it all started. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau here on home heating oil. Have a listen. We have to make sure we're fighting climate change in ways that supports all Canadians. So that is why today we are announcing a three-year pause on the federal pollution price on heating oil so that we can give everyone the time and ability to switch to heat pumps. Okay. Home heating oil. Well, that is normally used in Atlantic Canada, where he is just bleeding support in the polls. This is purely political announcement here. He was asked yesterday, what about natural gas? That's what people in Western Canada, primarily in B.C. and elsewhere, that's what they use to heat their homes, not home heating oil. So are you going to give a pause on the carbon tax on natural gas? And Trudeau gave a, a flat answer to that yesterday. No. There'll be no other tax breaks here in the carbon tax. Have a listen. Boy, the, the political firefight on this thing now. Have a listen to the federal conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, here, going after Trudeau. Trudeau responding here. Have a listen. Justin Trudeau is in total panic mode. We are doubling down on our fight against climate change and keeping true to the principles that we are supporting Canadians while we fight climate change. All right, let's discuss it now. Both sides of it for you. Peter McCartney is a climate campaigner at the Wilderness Committee. Peter, thank you for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it a lot. Also on the line, Cody Battershill. Cody is the founder of Canada Action. It's an oil and gas advocacy group. Hey, Cody. Hey, Mike and Peter. Thanks for being on today. Thanks, guys, to both of you. Cody, let me go to you first. What do you think about this? Uh, this all these du- dueling announcements we're hearing here on the climate, uh, the, the carbon tax. Man, this has turned into a battle royal here politically across the whole country. Your thoughts? Well, it, yeah, it really has. And, you know, I think it's important that we work together as a country. And I think we're all Canadians. So, it, you know, we got to reduce this divisiveness and polarization. And I think that the affordability crisis, is uh, happening across the country. We do need to remember Canada's position in the world where 1.5% of global emissions, our share of global emissions today is the same as it was in approximately 1906. And what are the biggest things that we can do to support Canadian families and also reduce global emissions? Liquefied natural gas exports, carbon capture and storage, clean technology, Working together as a country, we got to reduce this polarization. And I do think all Canadians heating, all Canadians affordability issues deserve to be considered. And, okay. you know, this divisiveness doesn't help anyone. Well, wh- where do you stand on the carbon tax? Do you, do you support Polyev on it and say, just scrap it? Well, you know, there, there's, you know, Trevor Toome, uh, a very uh, popular economist in uh, Alberta, you know, he's said that, well, the carbon tax might be one of the best ways for, uh, you know, evenly applying uh, emissions reductions mechanisms to the entire economy. But it, he said it's very hard to do it in one jurisdiction and not in another. You know, home heating oil, natural gas. We, we all live in this cold country, this, this, this great country of Canada. So 
Um, I think, you know, there's, there's examples of positive policy, like in Alberta, we had um, Canada's, North America's first industrial tax on uh, emissions back in 2007. That's been seen, the evolution of that has been seen as a success story. Of course, opponents of Canadian resources like Peter are going to say that, you know, we're not doing our fair share, we're not pulling our weight, but, you know, the further couldn't be, from, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. Okay, okay well, let's and, go to... Uh, we do got to treat all Canadians the same. We do have to treat all Canadians the same. That is okay. Fact. Okay, let's go to Peter McCartney. Peter, your thoughts. I mean, I do think we do have to treat all Canadians the same, um, but if you're annoyed about exemptions to the carbon tax... You shouldn't be, you know, taking it out on the granny in rural Nova Scotia who uses home heating oil, which is extremely polluting and can't make her energy bills. You should be training your your targets on the oil and gas companies that pay a tiny fraction of the carbon tax that the rest of us do. Suncor pays an effective price of $2 a ton for carbon when ours is up to $50 a ton now. You know, these companies are have the lobbyists to have carved out exemptions in the carbon tax already, and they are the most polluting companies in Canada. It's why we've seen, you know, emissions continue to, to rise from an industry that is um, takes up a quarter of Canada's yeah. uh, pollution. So, yeah, I mean, it's it just um, it, it's a bit rich for the conservatives to be painting this as not treating everyone fairly when, uh, you know, some industries have been getting a free ride this entire time. Cody, go ahead. I mean, this is the divisiveness that we have to move away from, Peter. You just said all Canadians should be treated the same, and now you're blaming Canadian oil and gas companies? In the winter, they're literally keeping us all alive. I mean, there is no substitute today. Canada is a small fraction of global emissions. These companies, the women and men, the Canadians who make up these companies, pay tens of billions of dollars in taxes to fund our infrastructure and social services, keep us alive in the winter, help grow our food. What about farmers? Some of these taxes, the affordability crisis, inflation. We have to work together. Okay. Global oil and gas demand is growing, taxing Canadians without thinking about the big picture. You're, of course, opposed to LNG. That's our number one opportunity for reducing global emissions today is continuing to collaborate with liquefied natural gas, clean technology, carbon capture, technology and innovation that also creates jobs and prosperity, not your divisiveness. Okay, Peter, go ahead and respond to that, Peter. Then I want to ask you your thoughts on the BC carbon tax, but go ahead and respond to Cody there. Yeah, I mean, I think like reducing polarization in general is a good thing. Um, I think it's mighty convenient to use it to defend companies that are making $25 billion in profits every year while the rest of Canadians are struggling and paying a carbon tax that these companies don't have to pay. That is fundamentally unfair. And so I think if folks don't like the carbon tax, they should really be looking at the people that it doesn't apply to the most polluting companies in the in the country. Hey, Peter, let me um, ask you about the provincial carbon tax here in British Columbia. And we've seen some recent polling showing that uh, there's lo- uh, falling support for the carbon tax in B.C. There is uh, a lot of cynicism about whether it's actually working. I had a caller earlier on the show ask me, okay, we've had this BC carbon tax for years. Is it actually achieving any results? Like are gasoline sales going down or natural gas sales going 
going down or emissions going down? What is the status of that? So emissions are going down. We've reduced about 1.8 megatons since 2007 out of, I think it's around 65 megatons that we, uh, we're out right now, down to about 63. So, you know, it is helping. Emissions would be far higher if we hadn't have had the carbon tax. One of the reasons that we haven't reduced as much as we could is because Christy Clark's government paused the carbon tax um, for five or six years and emissions during that time rose. And so if we had actually kept the schedule, one of the things about a carbon tax and why it's so frustrating to see these exemptions carved out is that it helps people plan. If you're, you know, buying a fleet of vehicles and you know that the carbon tax is going to be twice as high in five years, you're going to choose the option that maybe is a little more expensive in the short term, but will save you money in the long term. Um, We just to respond to Cody's point about, you know, oil and gas companies keeping us alive. I don't use oil and gas in my home. Lots of British Columbians don't. Heat pumps are an amazing technology. They're over 100% efficient because they take heat from the atmosphere and move it inside using a compressor. Your home is made from oil and gas, Peter. Everything in a my, hospital, my, everything in our modern My home is not made from oil and gas, Cody. Like, oil and honestly, gas products, you, Peter. You're including fertilizer that helps. This is, no, Cody, you need to stop. Hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 guys. Not, whoa. My hang home on. is not Peter, made from oil and gas products. I live in an apartment building that was built 20 years ago out of cement and steel. You know, we can do this. We have all the technologies necessary to transition off of oil and gas. They're economically available. And in fact, the home heating pause that's going on the carbon tax in Atlantic Canada right now is only for three years so that they can roll out heat pumps in that province. What we should be doing is gearing up heat pump factories to make sure every single household in Canada has a heat pump by the end of this decade and no one needs to burn fracked gas or pay the carbon tax anymore. It's the only tax. It is designed so that you are not paying it. Continue our carbon tax debate. Peter uh, McCartney and Cody Battershill are my guests. Let's go to your respectful phone calls here. Brian and Coquitlam. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to be as clear as possible about why the carbon tax does not work and why it will not work for me. No matter how high it goes, whether gas becomes $3 a litre, $3.50 a litre, even $4 a litre, I'm going to pay it because I have to drive. I don't like spending $8,000 a year on transportation with a car if I could avoid it, but I can't. And I'll cut out good food. I'll cut out medications. I'll cut out everything except for my rent to maintain my ability to drive because I have no choice. And for the fellow that commented that his apartment bill doesn't have any petroleum products, the oil, the, the nylonium, all the products that build the building have petroleum products. The clothes on your back has petroleum products. So I just okay. wanted to add that there too. Hey, hey, Brian, why not go to an electric vehicle? Okay, we lost him. Co- Cody, go ahead. Or, or Peter. No, Peter, you responded to that. Peter McCartney. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that the goal is to have someone go to an electric vehicle and not pay, um, you know, uh, for extensive gas. But And it's to have people, you know, not move to places where they have to drive into the city. And it's also to have people extend transit to places so they don't have to drive in the city. I mean, ultimately, the goal is not to have an electric vehicle in every garage in Canada. It's to have most people, not everybody... So most people are going to be able to, you know, take transit, ride bikes, work from home. Um, there are lots of options that don't involve uh, paying an, an exorbitant amount, like $13,000 a year to own a car in British Columbia. 
Um, mm. and, and gas is a huge part of that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a matter of making that shift and the carbon tax encourages Mike. and helps people to do that. Go ahead, Cody. Yeah, I mean, your caller is a great, great contribution to this discussion. I mean, highlighting Peter's inaccuracies about how his apartment was made, how many things in our world work, reliant upon oil and well, gas. Hang on. Gas. Okay, let's, let's settle this apartment thing. So <laughs> when, you, when you say his, his apartment is made out of oil and gas, what do, you, what do you mean, Cody? When you look at roofing, insulation, plastic piping, you look at what manufactured the crane that built the building, cement, Steel, all of these processes rely upon oil and natural gas for their manufacturing, their transportation, their construction, and their installation. When you look at asphalt roads, when you look at uh, plastics in hospitals, when you look at clothing, anything, yeah, thousands of products in the world are made from oil and natural gas. Everything's made possible by oil and natural gas, including roughly half of the world's population is fed by food that's fertilized with natural gas uh, uh, relied upon fertilizer. Okay, Peter, what is there? I I, I got to respond to this. Go ahead, yeah. It's burning it that we have a problem with. This is just the most juvenile argument that like, oh, well, your clothes have, you know, petroleum products in them. They don't have to. We can easily make things that don't require oil and gas. It just happens to be cheap because it's a byproduct of cheap energy that we're pulling out of the ground and burning. Um, you know, the, the plastic in my shoes is not causing climate change. No one is rip mining the tar sands and boiling the oil out with natural gas to make plastic. We have okay. a, that is a tiny fraction of but global oil demand. Petroleum. And it's, and it's just a distraction from the petroleum vast majority of petroleum up, that we Peter. burn. Okay. Let's go, yeah. let's go back, go back to the phone calls here in the time that we have remaining. Alan in Coquitlam. Alan, go ahead. Yeah, hi, good morning. I mean, this wider, this wider issue about the carbon tax, obviously, is that we're trying to reduce emissions, you know, and, and have a better planet. I want to say, like, I've been recycling for years, and my kids won't recycle, you know, and to them, the carbon tax is this, like, animal over here that they're not concerned with. I run a business, and I talk to other business owners about running their businesses and their costs. It, you know, the only way it ever comes up is the fact that I'm paying tax on that carbon tax. And the fact of the matter is the government ran, you know, they, they rolled this, this whole oil rebate out poorly. And, you know, this argument about, you know, this isn't going to work or that's not going to work. Like, you've got a, we got wider issues here, unfortunately, with large companies, like you say, that want to do things inexpensively. But what this is doing is effectively, and here's the argument, is that it's affecting, you know, the average Canadian, especially middle class Canadians. Again, when I get my bill and I'm taxed on a tax. Like, okay. you ask anybody, that's, that's really angering. Thank you, Alan, for the call. Guys, as usual, the time flies by, so we got 30 seconds here to wrap up. So, Cody, I'll let you go first. Cody, your thoughts, you got 30 seconds here to wrap up. Yeah, I just think that we need to treat all Canadians the same. We need to try to work together. And divisiveness, like what a lot of what Peter's saying, doesn't help anyone. Our oil and gas industry is a leader in reducing emissions. Liquefied natural gas is our largest immediate impact to reducing global emissions. And we have to balance affordability for Canadians across the country. We can't ignore it. Peter's shoes are made from plastic. That's oil and gas. Let's stop okay. attacking our local resource sectors and okay, support Peter. the women and men who make up those companies. Peter, you get the last word. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the carbon tax, it's not a perfect policy, um, but it's what we've got, and it's working. 
And we have to get these emissions under control because climate disasters are already driving people from their homes, killing people all over the country. And that is the most important thing here is that we have to stop using fossil fuels. The carbon tax is one of the best ways to do it. And it, you know, the majority of Canadian families get uh, more back from the carbon tax than they spend on it. We started today's show talking about this political battle royal over the carbon tax. Now, this all started last week. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing he would pause the carbon tax on home heating oil. Well, you know, big whoop in British Columbia. Less than 2% of homes use home heating oil. Most people here use natural gas. Now, Trudeau was asked yesterday, how about a break on natural gas then, too? A lot of people in Western Canada, that's how they eat their homes. Yeah, it was a flat no. There'll be no more tax breaks on the carbon, the federal carbon tax. That's it. Just for home heating oil. To me, that's just a kick in the teeth to British Columbia and other people in Western Canada. Where he's getting, giving out tax breaks to just one part of the country. Now you got this whole carbon tax debate is erupting in the provinces as well. Kevin Falcon, he was my first guest on the show this morning, leader of the opposition at the legislature. He is now saying that he would scrap the carbon tax on natural gas, home heating fuel. Also talking about potentially getting rid of the whole thing completely in B.C. Got Mario Canseco standing by to talk about some of the public opinion on this is changing recently. Have a listen to this exchange here. Now you're going to hear Falcon going after Premier David Eby on this. Have a listen. There shouldn't be a tax grab on something as straightforward as trying to keep your home warm in British Columbia. And so my question to the Premier, why won't the Premier level the playing field and exempt all home heating in British Columbia from the carbon tax? I appreciate uh, the member opposite now opposes the carbon tax. Um, that's uh, his position to flip and flop over. Yeah, he says, uh, EB says, Falcons flipping and flopping. There's been a lot of flipping and flopping on the carbon tax. Take a look at this, the firefight we've got going on federally here. Conservative leader Pierre Paglia versus Justin Trudeau on the federal carbon tax. Have a listen. Justin Trudeau is in total panic mode. We are doubling down on our fight against climate change and keeping true to the principles that we are supporting Canadians while we fight climate change. Yeah, we're supporting some Canadians in Atlantic Canada. Not much help for people in British Columbia. All right, let's take a look at the numbers here now, how people feel about the carbon tax. My guest, Mario Canseco, president of research company, one of the best pollsters around. Hey, Mario, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Okay, let's take a look at your findings in a recent opinion poll on this, Mario, on the, on the carbon tax. Is support for the carbon tax going down in British Columbia? You know, what we have is a significant change from where we were back in July 2008. We remember how it happened, the Gordon Campbell, BC Liberals bringing the tax in, giving us all a rebate check so we could invest in making our homes more environmentally friendly. And now we have a split. You know, when we say to people, if the Conservatives win the election, what should BC do about our own carbon tax? Now we have 43% of British Columbians who think we should scrap it and 40% who would prefer to keep it, which is very different from the numbers that we saw back in 2009, 2010, 
when many British Columbians welcomed the fact that we had this tax. Okay, that's very interesting. So clearly support for the tax going down. Why do you think that is? Do people give a reason? Why, why is support falling for the carbon tax? Well, there's a couple of things that we've tracked over time that really tell the story about where we feel uh, about the BC's carbon tax. Uh, this year, we have 62% of British Columbians who say that the carbon tax has negatively affected the finances of their household. This is some 26 points since 2020. Wow. So we have a public that is more likely to be worried about housing if they're young adults, about the economy and jobs if they're middle-aged, about healthcare if they're over 55, and they're looking at the carbon tax as something that they don't want to pay anymore. So it's a huge number. I mean, when you have uh, three out of five people saying the carbon tax is hurting my pocket, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure not only on the BC government, but also on the federal campaigns, whether it's liberal or conservative, to talk about it. And to me, this is the biggest change that we've seen when we look at this carbon tax. Now people are starting to be more worried about inflation, more worried about their expenses, and they're looking at the carbon tax as the first thing that should go. Yeah. Speaking of pollster, Mario Canseco, research company support falling for the BC carbon tax. When you start drilling down on some of these numbers, Mario, what do you find out in terms of sort of age demographics? I think there's a perception that, you know, maybe younger people would be more more concerned about climate change. Is there more support among younger British Columbians for the carbon tax? Well, this is something that has happened over the past few weeks because we've seen the environment dropping as an issue in British Columbia and also at the federal level. Um, where we had, and this is the big change if we go back to the 2008-2009 uh, way we felt about this. At the time, the 18 to 34 year old demographic was more likely to say, yes, the environment is my top issue. We should do something about it. Older British Columbians were more, more likely to be worried about finances, to a lesser extent healthcare. And now what we have is an 18 to 34 generation that is primarily preoccupied with housing. So housing has become yeah. the number one issue for this group. And now they're looking at the environment as something that they may deal with, provided they can get into the housing market. So we weren't as worried about housing as we are now back in 2008, 2009. And now we have this younger generation, which is supposed to be pushing for this carbon tax to stay, being more ambivalent. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. What The other thing that I hear a lot, let me know if you've heard the same, Mario. I hear from people who tell me, look, I would support this carbon tax if I felt that it was making a real difference. If I could see some measurable outcomes, are emissions going down dramatically? Are people really changing their behavior? I mean, the idea of a carbon tax is to sort of just nudge people away from fossil fuel use, buy an electric vehicle, get a heat pump for your home instead of heating with natural gas. If there was some evidence that that was really, really working, maybe there'd be more support on it. What did you find out there in your poll? I mean, how do people feel about the carbon tax and whether it's actually effective? Well, this is where the generational changes really speak out. We have 21% of British Columbians over the age of 55 who believe that the introduction of the carbon tax has led people to change their behavior. Uh, part of what we see here 
is the fact that nobody has championed this issue over the past five or six years. It's there. It was a legacy from the BC Liberal government. It was kept by the BC NDP with a coalition with the Greens initially. But we haven't had the same type of um, scenario where you sell the tax to the public that we have during the Gordon Campbell years. You know, we all remember Gordon Campbell going to California, meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're going to be pioneers in this. It made a lot of sense. And it was part of the way in which the government was selling itself. Now yeah. we have housing, we have economy and jobs, we have other things that are um, significantly more top of mind than the carbon tax. And this is part of what happens when nobody's out there campaigning about the benefits of the carbon tax. You have a significantly lower number of people who say this is actually working not only for the world, but ultimately for my own behavior. Right. Okay, Mario, really interesting findings. Do you therefore think that incumbent politicians here now who's, who support this carbon tax or administering it, are they vulnerable on this file? I, I get a perception that Pierre Polyev at the national level, they certainly like this issue. It seems to be working for them. Kevin Falcon, I had him on my show today, BC United, they seem quite fired up in opposing a carbon tax now. Do you think that's good politics for the opposition, government opposition? No, I think it's going to depend on the way people feel about their finances going forward. Because the big change that we have from a year ago is people feeling it in their pocket. If we have a different scenario, if we start to have fewer people complaining about the cost of life, then it might be easier for them to say, we're going to keep this going. But I think it's a challenge for both the NDP and the BC Liberals, to a lesser extent, the BC Conservatives who have said all along that they don't like it. But for the NDP, it's ultimately about what do we have to show for it? We've had this carbon tax for a while. Let's show some numbers that say to residents of the province and ultimately voters in the next election that this is working out. So I don't expect it to go away, especially because Pierre Poliev seems to be talking about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mario, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop. Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.